The scripture that we read last week as we continue with our theme, Church, it's His House. Church, it's His House. We will continue with that theme this morning. Praise the Lord. And so we draw your attention to two scripture verses. First from Matthew chapter 21 and the reading from 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14 and 15. I'm going to read one verse from Matthew chapter 21. And Jesus said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And focusing our attention on 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Father, we are grateful to you. This morning we pray that you will speak into our lives. Revive us, rejuvenate us, and Father, refresh us, O Lord. Father, we pray that the life that's hidden in God's word will create a spark within us, O Father, and that we will press on into the realms of God. Every expectation that you have as a church, every promise that you have as a church, we pray that we would live up to it, Father. Every resistance to the preaching of God's word, we nullify it. We claim victory in the name of Jesus. They overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. It's your word and so be it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Praise God. Church, it's his house. So we draw our attention to what Jesus says, what Apostle Paul, spurred by the Spirit of God, puts it in writing. He calls the house of God, which is the church of the living God. The Old Testament, we see the term, the house of God. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, we see it, and in the Epistles, we see it the house of God. Paul breaks it down further saying, the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Praise God. Paul, when writing to Timothy, as he writes, he reminds Timothy of something very unique about our God. Timothy was used to live in a culture which was littered with gods and goddesses in tongues, same is true of our world as well. There are so many gods and goddesses around us. And among all these so-called, so-claimed deities, Jesus, our God, as Paul puts it here, is a living God. Praise the Lord. This is the church of the living God. Praise God. When he says this is the church of the living God, he makes it very clear, as we said it last week, the church belongs to God. The church belongs to Jesus. Praise the Lord. So when we say the church belongs to Jesus, we have to understand the church 
is a divine design of God himself. Praise the Lord. The Old Testament, to them, it was a mystery that was hidden. In the New Testament, it is unveiled as to who and what the church is. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the church belongs to God, and he is the divine designer of the church. Praise God. Not only that, Acts chapter 20, 28 says this church is blood brought. In other words, Jesus himself purchased this with his blood. We said last week, church as individuals. We are the church. We come together, we form the corporate body, the church. Praise the Lord. We have been purchased or redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus is the builder. Praise the Lord. He not only brought the church, paid the ransom. Hallelujah. He redeemed us with his blood. He is also the builder of this church. Hallelujah. And he pronounced that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus builds the church and Jesus makes sure that the enemy will not overcome the church. Hallelujah. Praise God. The church ought to be adorned with his presence and with his power, with his glory and with his radiance. Church as a building, we take care of it and we adorn it. But the greatest adornment the church can have is when the church is adorned with his presence. Praise God. We as individuals who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we are carriers of the presence of God. What makes us unique and special is, praise God, the presence of God. So when we come together as a corporate body, this place can be adorned by the presence of the Almighty God. Hallelujah. The power of God, the glory of God, the radiance of God ought to be seen in the house of God. Paul pens it like this saying that this, the church of the living God, is the pillar and ground of truth. I want to pause there for a moment. I want us to understand something very clear. God, as the scripture reminds us, is a God of truth. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 65, 16. Jesus, praise God. As Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the truth. Jesus is the embodiment of the truth. Jesus said, he when the spirit of truth comes, John 16, 13, the Holy Spirit that indwells us is the spirit of truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them with, by the truth for thy word is truth. The word of God is truth. 
Praise the Lord. So we need to have a clear understanding. The church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of truth. Praise the Lord. God is truth. Praise the Lord. Our God is a God of truth to the point that the Old Testament pens it down like this, like this that he is not a man that can lie. God is not only truth, he will not lie. Paul writing to Titus also pens it like this, God who cannot lie. When the Old Testament says, God is not a man to lie, that means he does not lie. Paul pens it like this in the epistle to Titus saying, God cannot lie. Is a God of truth. Jesus is the embodiment of truth. That's why he said, I am the truth. Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth, which leads us into all the truth. This Holy Spirit will remind us of the teachings of Christ, which is truth. Praise the Lord. The word of God is truth. So the church of the living God is the pillar and the ground of truth. If there is any writer who wanted to magnify the church and stress its importance, it was Apostle Paul. In writing to the church of Ephesus, this is how he pens it as it's recorded in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 to 21. And I summarize it. You, Ephesians, or the church of God, or the members of the church of God, you are members of God's household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you, we, us, too, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So now it comes to our responsibility. What is it that God expects as the church of the living God? And if we are the pillar and ground of truth, what is our responsibility? It is, this is how we understand. It is the responsibility of the church to display, to declare, and to defend the truth that is given in the scripture. I repeat, it is the responsibility of the church as the pillar and ground of the truth. Number one, to display. Number two, to declare. Number three, to defend this truth. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, we as a local church, which is in, located in Hicksville, New York, we are built on Jesus Christ, the truth. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. Yes? Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of the church. Praise God. Hallelujah. And upon the foundation, apostles and prophets, we are being built together. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes? It is our primary responsibility to display to a dying world the living word of God, which is the truth. Hallelujah. Praise God. And it is our responsibility to hold the word of life as Apostle Paul pens it to the Philippians. Praise God. The world that we live is living in deception. There are two forces of, war, of forces that are work in this world. Praise the Lord. We understand one is the force of God. And of course the second one is the force of evil or force of Satan. Praise the Lord. God is a God of truth. Our Father in heaven is a Father of truth. While at the same time, the scripture says, Satan is the father of all lies and deception. So in a world that is confused and in chaos, living in deception and in lie, it becomes the responsibility of the church of the living God to display, declare, and defend the truth of the living God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So God calls us to actively display the truth of God's word. word. Praise the Lord. When the church fails to display the truth of God's word through words and works. I will, re I will repeat it. When the church fails to display the truth of God's word through words and works, we tend to fail from the calling that God has placed upon our lives. So in displaying the truth, God wants us to display it by words and works. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When the church compromises because of the immense pressure that builds from the world and we compromise the word, the church will start looking more like the world. Praise the Lord. The word and the world are diabolically opposed to each other. The word within us should enable us to influence the world. When we are not richly grounded in the word of God, the world around us will influence us and we lose our power. Mind you, the first words, words that we read was Jesus saying, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, the transition from the house of prayer, which should be filled with the presence, power, and praise of God, how does it, how does it, trans, how does it 
turn out into a den of thieves, which is filled with all kinds of evil. The transition does not take place overnight. It's a slow, gradual spiral downwards, starting with compromising the world. In the immediate context, it was the greed of the religious leaders which turned the system, the loss of God, they gave it a covering, the cloak of religion, but deep down, they were driven by greed and profit. So outwardly, it had the cover of religion. But inwardly, they were driven by greed and every kind of passions that were worldly. And when the church starts to compromise, what the church does is, the church cloaks the compromise in such a manner that it is not detected right away. That's why God wants us to be equipped with the spirit of discernment so that we are able to discern the times, the season, and the quality of the churches around us. Praise the Lord. So that we understand if they are driven by God or they are driven by something else. Praise the Lord. Coming back to what we are saying. So the transition, it's not Overnight, it's a slow compromise that takes place. In the Old Testament, the picture is given in the book of the prophets where the glory of God departed from the temple gradually. Praise the Lord. So the glory that inhabits us, the glory that inhabits we as the members of the body of Christ, the glory that inhabits in the corporate body, it eventually, gradually, with compromise to the world, departs. That's the reason the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of truth, ought to display, declare, and defend the truth. Okay, let's move on. First of all, the truth in its settings, we want to look in its immediate settings as it's recorded in verse 16. In verse 16, 1 Timothy 3.16 goes like this. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed in the world, received unto, up to, into glory. So number one, in the immediate setting, we want to look into the term, Paul puts it, God was manifest in flesh. Praise the Lord. We said in the beginning, the four phase of truth. God the Father is a, is a God of truth. Jesus is the embodiment of truth. I am the truth. Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. 
The word of God is a word that is true. It's truth. Praise the Lord. Now, the Bible says, God was manifest in flesh. So we want to look at something in little detail. The main truth to which the church needs to display, declare, and defend, or bear witness, is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh, not only in his birth, but throughout his earthly ministry. So I want to touch first, God was manifest in flesh. We want to understand as the scripture teaches us, the truth about the divine nature of God or the divine attributes of God. The Bible as God's infallible word unveils the nature and the attributes of the God that we serve. We as a church or as children of God, we need to get acquainted with the nature and the attributes of our God so that we do not lose and forget how great our God is. Praise the Lord. This morning I was so glad to hear the song, How Great Thou Art. Praise the Lord. When we sing How Great Thou Art, we need to capture a picture of the greatness of God. And for us to capture the picture of the greatness of God, we need to look intently at the divine attributes of God that we serve. And when we do so, that is when we stand in awe in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. When we understand, when we capture the revelation of who our God is, our worship, praise the Lord. When we stand before him and when we even think that God allows me and you as the children of God, as the members of the body of Christ, an opportunity to display and to declare the truth of who God is, it is mind-boggling, praise the Lord. In a world which is littered, with all kinds of gods and gods, goddesses, we as a church, we are called to display who the living God is. Praise the Lord. So number one, I want to start with the fact that God is love. Praise the Lord. Our God is love. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, as a God who loves us. Praise the Lord. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us so that we shall be called the children of God. God is love. Praise the Lord. And God wants us as a church to proclaim and project the fact that God that we serve is a God of Love. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And this ought to be exhibited and expressed before we said that we need to display it, 
and declare it. We as a church, as a pillar of truth, God calls us out to express and exhibit, meaning words and works. Express and exhibit that God is love. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We want to exhibit and express that God is love without undermining, without diluting the fact that this God that is love is a sovereign God. Hallelujah. Is an omnipotent God. Is an omniscient God. Is an omnipresent God. Is a creator God. Is a redeemer God. Is a God who lives in unapproachable light. Is a powerful God that calls everything into existence. And this God is an immutable God. Is an unchanging God. At the same time, we have been called to display to the fact that this God, hallelujah, hallelujah, which is unlike the other false gods around us, praise the Lord, is also a God who does not wink at sin. Is also a God of wrath that looks at sin in a way that is not acceptable. Praise the Lord. This God, hallelujah, his, his wrath is as real as his love. Praise the Lord. We will come shortly where we will unveil it a little bit more in detail. The scripture is very clear that this God Praise the Lord. He unleashes his wrath on ungodliness and on sin and on wickedness. So, as a church, we have been called to display who God is. And we cannot pick and choose certain attributes of our God whereby we represent where we would not be representing God in his fullness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So as a church, we need to let the world know that he's a God of compassion and mercy. But he's also a God who's just and righteous. Praise the Lord. Let's move on. We live in a world that is constantly changing and evolving. A world that is constantly changing and evolving. But the scripture tells us our God is immutable. He's an unchanging God. He does not have mood swings. He's consistent in his dealings. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We live in a world that Constantly changes its concepts, its belief, its behavior. People change. Everything around us change. Customs and culture change. Fashions and fads change. Trends and technology 
change. Theories and theology change. Philosophy and politics change. Music and message change. Everything, everyone around us change. But God is an unchanging God. His truth doesn't change. Praise the Lord. Listen, the world has no qualms in accepting the fact that God is love. But they have a hard time digesting the fact that God could be just and righteous in his justice. That God is a God of justice. Praise the Lord. The world around us hates the idea of a God who is just, who is righteous, and who stands hard and fast against wickedness and sin. We as a church, when we display the truth of God and his word, we have to display the absolute fact that God, as much as he is love, he is also a God of wrath. Where does that say that? Romans 1.18. And I read it out if we have doubt. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by its by their wickedness. Romans 1.18. Listen. The church as a pillar and ground of truth is sent to teach that God's wrath against sin is real. Praise the Lord. And therefore, God is just and is righteous. But since he is also love, the atonement and salvation by God is made available. The atonement and salvation by grace are required because God's righteous wrath is against sin. Listen, if we deny the wages of sin, if we deny the wages of sin is death, then we have to deny the gift of God which is life through Jesus Christ. If we deny sin and its consequences, we deny the need of a savior and a salvation. This is very important because the world has no issue in accepting that God is love. But the minute that you show them that God is just and he will not wink at sin, that is a time where people have a hard time to, to digest that truth. Whether people accept it or, it or not, the church of the living God has to display the truth graciously. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It is graciously. Speak the truth in Paul's language. Speak the truth in love. Praise the Lord. We don't have to become obnoxious when we preach and speak the truth. But we have to speak the truth that God's judgment against sin is real. But 
the saving power is also real. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, the church is the pillar and the ground of truth. Praise God. Let's move on. We said we want to bring our attention to God was manifest in flesh. Praise the Lord. In order to save mankind from sin and wrath of God and judgment, God sent his only begotten son into this world to take the sins of mankind. Praise God. We cannot hide that fact. God was manifest in flesh. This is how Paul puts it, writing to the Galatians. Galatians 4, 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So I want to present before you Christ, the truth, the embodiment of truth is unique as a person. Praise the Lord. My draw your attention to the writings of Paul as he says, God sent his son. At the fullness of time, God sent his son. Praise the Lord. It does not say God created his son because he was already in existence. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Praise the Lord. And the word dwelt among us full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. So Paul says God sent his son in the same way, in the same words, he says, this Jesus was born of a woman. So what is the truth here? Jesus showed up as a God, full God, and full man. Paul is careful to point out the dual, dual nature of Jesus Christ, that he is both 100% God and 100% man. As God, Jesus came forth. God sent his son. As man, praise the Lord, he was born of a woman. Praise the Lord. As God, Jesus came forth. John 16, 28. But as a man, he was born of a woman. It is very important for us to understand that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And as being fully God, he's able to save us to the uttermost. And as fully man, he is able to empathize with our weaknesses. Praise God. What an awesome God we serve. Praise the Lord. While the deities in the world that is exhibited is shown as someone who's far and aloof, the God that we serve, the Bible says, even though God is high and lofty, he considers the poor and the downtrodden. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes, is not a deity who is so distant and cut off that he does not understand. As a perfect man, Jesus can empathize with our weaknesses, with our struggle, with our conflicts, with our pain, with our suffering, with our poverty, with our scarcity, with every struggles that you go through in your life, with the temptation, with the pressures of life that you face in your life. You and I serve a God who can empathize with our weaknesses. He not only empathize with our weakness as God is able to save us to the uttermost. Praise God. What a perfect blend and balance of justice, mercy, of love and compassion is this Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Do you think he understands you this morning? Maybe you are going through a season in your life where you feel that you are lonely and you are lost and that no one cares and no one looks after you. Maybe you are going through a low season in your life. I want to assure you from God's word, God is a God. Jesus empathizes with you and he knows what you are going through in your life. Praise the Lord. As a man... Jesus thirst. Praise the Lord. He was thirsty. But as God, he can satisfy us. As man, Jesus know what hunger is. But as God, he is able to feed us. Praise the Lord. As man, he knows what it is to be tired. Jesus can strengthen you. And give you that dose of energy and power that you and I need. As a man, he knows what it is to slumber and to sleep as God. He neither sleeps nor does he slumber. Praise the Lord. Jesus is unique. Unique and that unique truth has to be displayed to the world around us. Praise the Lord. Jesus not only shows us the way, he is the way. Jesus not only shows us the truth, he is the truth. Jesus not only imparts life to us, he gives abundance and eternal light. Jesus not only can illuminate our hearts and sheds light into our life, Jesus is the light. Praise the Lord. Now I want to draw your attention. How Jesus is unique than anyone else. This is what the Bible says. Jesus knew no sin. Jesus committed no sin. And no sin was found in him. Listen to this carefully. Three things. Number one. No sin was found in Jesus. Praise the Lord. He knew no sin. Jesus committed no sin. No sin was found in him. Therefore, he is my perfect Savior who alone can redeem me and save me. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. He as a person is unique. Praise the Lord. His works are unique. Praise the Lord. What is his greatest work? The greatest work is seen on the cross of Calvary. When he offered himself up on the cross of Calvary. Praise the Lord. Through his sacrifice, you and I have salvation. Praise God. We have atonement. We have access into the presence of a holy God. His work is unique. He's a savior God. Praise God. He is on top of every, any situation. Praise the Lord. Spiritually, he can redeem me. He can redeem me in and from any and every situation that you and I can find ourselves in. Praise the Lord. Jesus is unique in his position. Praise the Lord. Look, Jesus is both the Savior and the soon coming judge. Jesus is the Savior and the judge. He is a unique in his position. We come to the communion table. We remember Jesus, who is our Savior. Do you know at the same time on the table, the Bible says, man ought to examine himself. When we fail to judge ourselves, God himself becomes the, becomes the, becomes the judge. He's both the Savior and the judge. Praise the Lord. He's the king at the same time. He's the Savior. He's the lion and he's the lamb. He's the lion, the king of Judah. He's the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. He's the redeemer who died for me. And he's the redeemer who lives forever. Praise God. How can we not sing how great thou art? Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's unique in his power. His creating power is unique. His creating power is unique. The Bible says he calls the things that are not as if they are. Praise the Lord. For us to create something, we need raw material. God created the entire universe out of nothing. He spoke everything into creation. Praise the Lord. But when it came to his crown jewel of creation, man and woman, praise the Lord. He took what was created and he formed a man out of dust and he breathed into, into him life. Praise the Lord. The creating power of our God. Praise the Lord. The redeeming power of God. The saving power of God. The sustaining power of God. The securing power of God are the truth that we ought to Display, praise the Lord.
the power of God is seen in the fact that Jesus overcame sin, Satan, the world, the death, and the grave. Praise the Lord. This is the truth we as a church has to display to the world through works and words, through expressions and exhibitions. Praise the Lord. Now, the church faces a challenge. I will touch that and I will conclude here. But we will continue, God willing, the week after. Praise the Lord. The church faces a challenge. Every church in every age faces challenge. Don't ever think that our culture is the only culture or our times are the only times that are facing challenges. Of course, the struggles and the challenges are intensified. There is no doubt about it. But every every cult, every generation, they experience challenges when they want to display the truth of God's word. Praise the Lord. The challenges would come in physical persecution. It will come in mental persecution. It will come as pressure by the society. It will come as as, as a means of, of different ideologies that are pushed into the society. So what is the challenge that the, that the church faces when they want to display the truth of God's word? When they want to declare the truth of God's word? When they want to defend the truth of God's word? I want to touch one thing before I conclude here. Praise the Lord. We live in a time where the cultures around us want to put immense pressure upon us to become like the world. The church of Jesus Christ ought to know that church at all times have been counterculture. The church of Jesus Christ is counterculture. Culture. What does counterculture mean? A counterculture is a culture whose values and norms of behavior differ substantially from the mainstream society. Webster. A group of people who do and believe things outside of what society considers normal or typical can be called a counterculture. A counterculture is at odds with, sometimes in direct opposition to the prevailing norms. Praise the Lord. Look at the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Praise God. One of the challenges that Jesus faced and one of the issues that the religious leaders had with Jesus was his teachings. And the people marveled and said, this, is, this teaching is not like the others. Praise the Lord. His teachings were from above. Praise the Lord. It was diabolically opposed to the norms and the practices of the society. Let me give you an example from the scripture. 
Praise the Lord. I want to draw your attention to Daniel. His choice of diet, simple. His choice of diet. There wasn't anything significantly bad with the king's food. It was not a contaminated food. The king's food was choice food. But Daniel decided that he didn't want to eat it and it went against what God's dietary laws ordered him to do so. So he took a stand against it. What does that mean? Does that mean that as a church, we start acting different for the sake of acting different? I've seen many people going out of their way to show that they are counterculture. It can work both ways. Praise the Lord. I observe people trying to go out of the way to show that they are counterculture. Now, no matter what stand you take, make sure you're displaying Jesus. Praise the Lord. To be counterculture means you're swimming against the tide. Swimming against the tide doesn't mean that you want to intentionally go against the tide for the sake of going against the tide. Swimming against the tide means you are going in the direction of where Jesus is leading you. Praise the Lord. Of course, the world's perspectives and views are opposed to the teachings of Jesus. Praise the Lord. We as a church... Praise the Lord. We have been called to be the light in darkness. We have been called to be the salt of the earth. And if we continue to be like the world, we fail in our assignment to display, to declare, and to defend the truth. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me ask you, church. In our quest... To display and declare the truth. What are some of the challenges that you face? Praise the Lord. How do you tackle the challenges that we face? Do we cop out of situations? That's one way to do it. That's one way, one way that people employ. They just simply cop out. It's like I go to work and I make sure that no one ever finds out who I am. Think about it. You go to work, you go to school, you go to society, whatever it is, marketplace. The world never finds out who you are. Praise God. Never. You could be working in, a, in, a, in an institution for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, but the world or the people around you, your associates, never find out who you are. Because you have mastered the art of blending in very well. Praise the Lord. As God's children, God wants us to display the truth by expressions and exhibitions. How have you expressed and exhibited the truth of the Son of God? The truth of the Savior? The truth of who our God is? Praise the Lord. 
What are some of the ways that we as a church can display the love of God? What are some of the ways that we as a church can display the works of God? Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, God calls us out to display and declare the truth of who our God is and who our Savior Jesus is. Praise God. Hallelujah. If the Holy Spirit indwells us, and I believe he does, hallelujah, he indwells every child of God, then he will lead us into all the truth if we are willing to yield ourselves to the spirit of truth. We're going to close our eyes for a moment. Praise God. One moment. I want you to ask yourself, how have we, I, you, us, been displaying and declaring the truth of who God is, the truth of who the Son of God, Jesus, is? How are we displaying the love of God? Praise God. Have we been visible or have we been invisible? What does that mean? Have you made yourself visible as a Christian? Or have you made yourself invisible as a Christian? Meaning, your identity as a Christian is not unveiled yet. Praise God. How have you tackled the heat and the pressure that comes from the culture around us? Praise God. Hallelujah. Have we been able to exhibit the living God that lives within each and every one of us? Praise God. My friend, this morning, do you know Jesus who can empathize with your weakness at the same time deliver you and save you from any and every situation that you are in? Praise God. Hallelujah. There is no situation that Jesus cannot deliver you from. And if you are in this house this morning, and you say, I want the Savior in my life. I want this Jesus as a deliverer. You can come to us after the service. We will pray with you and for you. Praise God. I want to ask the church, how faithful have we been in displaying and declaring the truth of God the truth of Jesus and the truth of God's word. And we have, if we have fallen short in displaying and in declaring, and you want to make a commitment this morning, Lord, here I am. I have not lived up to that call, but here I am. And if you are that person that wants to make a surrender, a commitment, 
in your workplace, in your business, in the marketplace, wherever you are. God wants you to be unique, representing the unique Savior that you uphold in your life. And if you are that person who wants to make a commitment, I want you to raise your hands wherever you are, and we will pray for you. Praise the Lord. Is there anybody in the house? I see one hand. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see another hand. Anybody else who wants to make a commitment? You feel that you have fallen short of what God has called you out to be. Praise God. Father, we thank you for these two hands that have made a commitment this morning. That they want to live up to the call that you have placed. That they will be the pillar that will display the truth of God's word. Grant grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.